0: I'm Alex Kappelman. This is The Decision, the podcast where people try to convince me to finally abandon the Knicks and become a fan of their favorite team. This is episode two the Philadelphia 76ers. The guy who's going to try to convince me to hop on the Sixers bandwagon is Gene Demby. He's the lead blogger for NPR's Code Switch and the host of the Code Switch podcast, and he is just a ridiculously big uh sixers fan and uh sometimes we text about basketball uh so it's it's fun to uh to talk about it uh so here we go let's jump in uh gene thanks for thanks for joining
1: me yeah man thank you for having me i'm glad we get to do this instead of like over text message we can do this on (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah definitely um so what's your like personal history with the sixers
1: Oh man, uh, my family—I come from like a family full of basketball obsessives. I'm from Philly, okay. Um, and so, like, I think I think I went to my first Sixers game. My mom probably took took me to my first Sixers game when I was like, maybe five or six. Oh wow. Um, she still talks about it. It was a, uh, it was Michael Jordan's rookie year, so it was eighty 85. And so I was I'm I was a child, so I don't remember it. So I, in my head, I've never seen Michael Jordan play, you know, like in person. And she's like, no, no, no. When he was a rookie, I was like, I don't remember that shit. You know, I was like, <laughs> barely barely you know like a co uh like a, a sentient being you know what i mean and so yeah i mean like i knew like vaguely that dr j was a good player you know what i mean mm-hmm. um because my mom talked about him all the time and mo cheeks and all those people right um, but right. uh i became like a huge i mean like so many people like a huge huge sixers fan like not just like a a pretty like a, not just a casual fan but like a, a serious sixers fan in the 90s when the sixers drafted alan iverson um like I was in high school, you know, like everybody in school, it's, you know, if everyone in Philly was rocking the Iversons, you know, from 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 Reebok. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody started wearing cornrows. It was just like he was the coolest dude in the city. You know what I mean? Um, right. And he was, you know, exasperating the old people, exasperating the white people. It was, he was just like the perfect figure <laughs> onto whom to project all your like teenage sort of like rebellion. You know what I mean? All that. All those feelings. It was like he was the perfect, exactly what we needed at the time. And, you know, the Sixers. Haven't been good, you know. Like like outside of a couple years um, with Barkley there, and a couple years, you know, with Iverson. My entire fandom as a Sixers fan has been one of just like soul crushing futility, like like dealing with soul crushing futility. You know what I mean? Like it's not. And so Iverson is like, he was just so important culturally, um, and so important to us, like as kids, um, who needed. Like who? Who was this guy? Who was like in a really serious way. Was like sort of upending a lot of the ideas about like the way black people had to behave in public. You know, right. Um, it was like really unapologetic. Um, uh, at a time, you know, when Al, uh, when like Michael Jordan is the face of like the basically sterile, um, you know what I mean, black athlete. Here right. Comes this dude who just like doesn't give a fuck. It was just yeah. It was amazing.
0: Right. Which the league tried to be like. He was he was the reason why they instituted the dress code. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's right. He was the reason they instituted the dress code. In fact, on the cover, I think, of one of the league's brochures, uh, like they airbrushed out his tattoos. It was was a lot. Like, he, yeah, it's crazy. Like, there's a story about how he was on the cover of some magazine and, like, the league took all his tattoos off. It's wild. Wow. It was a problem.
0: Did not know that. That's (laughs) not surprising, but crazy still. Yeah, Um, I know. I know. Okay, so so Allen Iverson happened, and then now we have well, we well, okay. Before we get to today, and and the futility, and uh, you know the process, (laughs) the process. Let's, you know, you mentioned um, they have they have like a you know a pretty good legacy. They have a bunch of Hall of Famers that that played for them, like you know Barkley wilt chamberlain mm-hmm. dr dre obviously ai what we talked yep. about they won they won mm. a few championships but like you three know three
1: in 70 something yeah man. 55
0: 67 and 83 so 83, yeah. so yeah so i mean like but I, I don't know i feel they feel to me like one of the like like a legacy sort of team you know
1: yeah they're one of the old 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 nba teams and so I, in, in my head you know, I always felt like we we're in the conversation, like, you know, maybe like a half a rung below the Celtics and the Lakers. But then I actually look at the numbers and I was like, oh, we, yeah, it's not that sort of legacy in terms of championships. But in terms of, like, actual, like, the like we've had iconic players on the Sixers over the many, many years. Like, obviously, Wilt, like you said, Dr. J. So, um, it's, it's weird because, like, again, like, for the last 30 years, it's been a very fallow, you know, like, Sixers fandom has been really bad. I mean... A couple of years ago, they turned in a ten and seventy, ten and seventy two season. You know what I mean? Like, right. and it's like they were so bad. Like in the recent past, they've been so bad that it almost is like a philosophical exercise. Like, how bad can a professional basketball team be, um, and still be? A professional basketball team <laughs> like there was a point when they were they were rolling out dudes who had no business on the NBA court you know what I mean um and he felt like it almost felt there was something immoral about that you know like both for the dudes who were playing right because you were I don't know There felt something almost exploitative about it you know what I mean like really we know you're not here because we we don't think you're gonna you should be on this team for any other reason than we can pay you the absolute least we you know because you have no basketball value right and so we're gonna you're here to I mean lose. I guess they're being compensated yeah. for their labor but you know it was like a lot of these people had probably had real dreams of playing in the NBA right. and then it was just like the, the franchise was like dragging them along for a couple of years just because it was like you're cheap and you are. Functionally useless, and that's what we need right now. Right, <laughs> we're trying to get these draft picks. You know, I don't know what to make of that.
0: Yeah, well, it was part of the process, right? It was part of the process. Sam Hinkie's like, uh, well, I guess can you can you like, what what was the process? Let's tell me about the process, Gene.
1: You know, it's funny. He never actually apparently said the process. They got this. It was this thing really? that was like assigned to him. Uh, I think like he actually never called it the process. And Sixers fans started. They just became the shorthand for like this thing that the Sixers were doing, which is basically tearing apart everything, like tearing everything down to the to, to like the nuts and bolts, right? They were like were like, Well the only way you can get good in the NBA is to either draft superstar talent or bring in superstar talent via free agency. And the Sixers were like, Well let's just draft some dudes. Like let's go the cheap route. Well like like cheap monetarily but not like it costs us our souls. But like you know what I mean? As fans. Right. But like Um, For, like, several years, they were, like, an abysmal franchise and on purpose, which is, like, it goes against, like, all of the things you're taught as someone who cares about sports. Like, a team should not actively endeavor to be trash. Um, And the Sixers leaned all the way into that. And the thing that's crazy is, like, they were sort of vindicated, right, because they ended up with this young core now that is really compelling, even though they they're all five years old and they haven't really played any NBA games, and then they all you they know, all get like, injured every every year. Yeah, exactly. And they're all super injury prone. But there's a lot of like raw, like crazy raw material the Sixers have. It's kind of scary. All
0: right. Well, okay. So, but but I mean, like you said, they were vindicated. But Hinkie was fired. And like you know, I, I bet if you asked a lot of person around the league, you know, people who follow the league, they'd be like. The Sixers are going to suck. They uh, they already suck and, you know, like what's like cuz I'm cuz like another thing is like, you know, I want to know what, you know, if I sit down and if I become a fan of this team, I want to sit down and like watch some games, right? And like if I watch yes. the games this year, like am I just going to be like, what is wh- these guys are awful or or is it like t- this year finally the year where they where they kind of take charge and, you know, live up to their potential?
1: I mean, they will be fun to watch this year. I, this is my pitch to you. Okay, hey. They will be fun to watch this year. If only because there are two and maybe three future NBA superstars on this roster right now. Joel Embiid is potentially a Carl Anthony Towns level player. You know what I mean? Ben Simmons will go to a bunch of All Star games, and the Eastern Conference is trash. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, <laughs> they they could win thirty five games this year, which would be amazing. They could win thirty five games this year and flirt with the playoffs with a with with essentially three really talented, and really flawed, but really talented rookies on their roster. I feel like you, like the Sixers are the kind of person that you meet, you know, um, you become, you can become easily infatuated with, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just, but you get excited about because um, there's so much potential there, right? Like, And that's like, I kind of want to enjoy this moment as a Sixers fan. Like, right now there's like, This act—it feels like everything is possible. Like I would not be surprised that by 2025, if by 2025 the Sixers have won a championship, um, okay, with these three tent poles, right? These three, these three pieces: and Fultz, Simmons, and Embiid. And I say to you (laughs) that this glory, this (laughs) this glory, this potential glory, is out there for you, Alex. You just have to claim it.
0: Oh, that's a good pitch. That's a good pitch, Gene. Um, okay, so so that's basketball stuff. Mm-hmm. So like what like off the court stuff. Like is what what do I need to know? Like
1: Yeah, just one of the things that was really funny was like during the Iverson years, we had this frankly ridiculous mascot called big uh called hip hop. Um what? It was, yeah, it was a bunny in what? like the black Sixers <laughs> <laughs> uniform. His name was Hip Hop. Uh, he wore sunglasses uh, and I think I'm trying to remember if he had a either a backwards baseball cap or a do-rag I'm not sure um, uh, that was a thing that pissed off a lot of fans in the area because they were like yeah I was going to say was like,
0: like how do you feel
1: about that <laughs> I mean you know one of the things about the Iverson Iverson is such, was such a compelling figure for so many reasons but like I mean we could have a whole conversation about like all the racial dynamics of his celebrity um, and the way that was like sort of metabolized um, both in Philly, and like in the sports media more broadly, but yeah, it was like they were leaning into the Iverson thing, you know, and that's why they had this 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 bunny rabbit with, you know what I mean, <laughs> with, like a big jersey on and like I think sneakers and, and a do rag, like and but it's like, ugh. yeah, I and I think now to. we have now we have Franklin, uh, who was like this, you know, anthropomorphic something or other, uh, much more cuddly, much more fun, but. The Sixers, I mean, so the Sixers up until Josh Harris and this ownership group bought them, were owned by Comcast, which of course is like the worst corporation. In right? America. Can I say that? I don't know. It's well, like, no, but they're, you, they're
0: not the they're not the worst corporation because cablevision is the worst corporation, and they own the Knicks.
1: <laughs> they own your Knicks, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's not. I, I don't think it's a coincidence. that, like the worst. The companies that are considered like among the worst in the in the world are cable companies. But anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, You know, it's hard to root for Comcast in any capacity, right? Um, (laughs) Right. um, So now they're in the hands of this billionaire who's a private equity guy. And there was a lot of stuff about when they were doing the process stuff, when they were just tearing the team apart. Like there was a lot of, I think, a little bit overdetermined and a little bit um, overdetermined interpretation of like the fact that Josh Harris is a private equity guy. um, And they sort of want to often like strip companies that like strip companies that they buy up of all their useful assets. Right. Um, I think it right. was a little red a little bit too much. Although there I mean, there might be something into the idea that like, you know, they were probably a little bit less sympathetic about you know, like what that would mean, you know. Um, right, right. But I don't know like I have been trying to figure out like where these people stand on like the important issues of the day. Um they haven't really said anything about, you know, the protests going on. Um the players themselves haven't been that outspoken. Uh I mean, Joel Embiid is Th- probably one of the best NBA players when it comes to social media. He's hilarious. Um, he's really? so deprecating. Is he, do you have like oh, a Joe good Embi- example? Oh, my God. Um, I mean, Embiid is just like, there was this, this really fun video of him. <laughs> he just like drove up to some court in North Philly with some like six-year-olds, right? Uh, and basically was like th- destroying them, right? I mean, like, <laughs> oh, he's playing against six-year-olds? Six- yeah, he's like planning a six-year-old, like, you know, like letting them shoot, or whatever. And then he's like, all right, let me stop playing. He's like, you know, and it's like, you know, it's just, he's like really self-deprecating, really right. funny. Um, he's like this incredibly lovable dude. And, you know, like, you know, Markel Fultz, who was our rookie, is kind of like the opposite of that. He's sort of really monotone and, and sort of low-key. But Embiid is like this dude who's like bouncing off the walls and always making stupid jokes and... I think he was trying to like shoot a shot at Rihanna and like all sorts of crazy stuff okay. onto it. Um but he was been there the face of the fr- He's already become the face of the franchise in also some meaningful ways he actively recruited JJ Redick um from the Clippers, I mean. And that's saying a lot right this in like 22 year old kid at the time. But, Veterans, you know, t- to be veteran.
0: fair, his pitch was, we'll pay you twice as much as any other team to come over here. <laughs> you
1: know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's a hell of a pitch, right? That's a hell of a pitch. Yeah. Good $23 million for a year, I mean, yeah. I mean, you can put up for a lot of, with a lot of stuff with that.
0: Okay, on that note, uh, uh, let's take a quick break, uh, and then uh, Gene's going to make his final pitch.
1: Howdy. This is Mark Bramhill calling from hot and humid Houston, Texas. The decision is brought to you by the Twitter feed of Alex Kappelman. If you want even more of Alex, you should give him a follow. It's also
0: the best way to continue the conversation or make an argument for him to follow your favorite team or just to say hi. That's at Alex Kappelman. All right. Now back to the show. Okay, so final pitch time. So here's, here's, here's where I'm at right now. I think you made a really compelling argument on the basketball court for these guys. Off the court stuff is really important to me. We, you know, AI, mm-hmm. uh, AI. That legacy is there, but like, you know, it is a little bit of a black box, right? Like you said, so that's where mm-hmm. I'm at. What's your What's your final pitch to me?
1: I feel like, and I'm, I'm before the end of the season, you and I are going to go to a game. I don't know if we. If you, <laughs> I'm going to take you to a Sixers game. Done. We're go to a Sixers game. They will be the most exciting 31 <laughs> team in the NBA. <laughs> Thirty, thirty-five, 35 <laughs> team in the NBA. They will be uh, a mess this season. Uh, I'm sure there will be a bunch of stuff. I mean, you know, they essentially haven't played any NBA games. So as talented as they are, they still have to, like, learn how to play basketball. Um, that is
0: an important part of is It's a very basketball. important part of
1: being a good team. So I don't expect them to be world beaters out the gate. But I think we're going to see, like, a lot of flashes of, like, oh, wow. I mean, th- this these guys in a lot of ways, like, represent – positionally like the way basketball is moving you have Embiid who's mm. this big five who can do a bunch of stuff he's a shot blocker and he can shoot threes and um he can move like he can like switch on pick and rolls you have Ben Simmons who's humongous he's like 6'10 6'11 and they're basically going to run him at point guard like run the team he's like a fantastic fantastic passer Markel Faults can score from basically anywhere um I, I feel like in the next year or two you the Sixers are going to be one of the most compelling stories in basketball, even though they won't win. You won't see it in the win column. They're going to be so much fun to watch. Um, and I'm finally glad to have that. And I want to share that with you, young Alex. Come. <laughs> we will go to the Wells Fargo Center or I'll come up to the Garden, or You can come down to D.C. and we can watch them play the Wizards. I mean, is this, it's is whatever. This,
0: is this contingent on uh, my becoming a fan?
1: No, 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 I mean, this conversion, like, I believe in, like, so, sowing this, I mean, planting the seeds. I will keep returning okay. to this conversation if I have to. Because whatever you do, I mean, I, I'm confident that you will pick the Sixers, even though the politics stuff is sort of, you know, uh, opaque right now. Okay. I feel like there's probably not a team in the league that has, that is more, compel- has, like, a more compelling future going forward for the next five to ten years, except for maybe, like, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Mm. Um And, you know, you ain't trying to travel from Minnesota to watch a game. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) This is true.
0: Gene, thank you for talking to me about this.
1: I appreciate you, Alex, man. Let's do it again.
0: And that's that. You can listen to Code Switch on your podcast app of choice, and you can find the Code Switch blog at npr.org. The Decision is produced by me, original music from Louis Stein, Alessio Romano, and my little brother, Scott Kappelman. I'll be releasing five new episodes of the show every weekday until Tuesday, October 17th, when I release the final episode with my Decision. Until then, I'm at Alex Kappelman on Twitter.